Turn with me to the scriptures, please, to the book of Philippians. I had just finished this message, and I received a text. This is our scripture for the new year from Laverne Richardson, and I thought, good, because that's what I'm just after writing my message on, and she just confirmed it to me. I want to take my time at it. I may do our first Sunday in the in 2018, which is next week. I may do part two in, in there. We'll see how we get on this morning. I want to speak on the past, the present, and the praise. The past, the present, and the praise. Philippians chapter 3. And we're just going to lift two verses, but keep the chapter open because we're going to refer uh, to the chapter. Verses 13 and 14, please. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, take your word and help us to understand it this morning. Thank you for the wonderful sacrifice and the blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we come to you this morning, Lord, through him and in him. We ask you now that your spirit would move from seat to seat and heart to heart, speaking to each and every one of us this morning. And Lord, we do come, Lord, with different things in our minds and our hearts, but we ask you, Lord, to enable us to hear your word through every sound of everything else that wants to distract us from you this morning, that wants to take our hearts away and turn them on to something else, Lord. We pray this morning, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be totally devoted to you, that your Son would be so precious to us, that you would be exalted and glorified in this place and in our lives. We love you because you first loved us. And we thank you, Lord, for your continued faithfulness that you never change. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, speaks of his own desire to follow on to know God, to follow on to know Christ in a greater way and in a deeper, fuller measure. He says in verse 3 of the chapter, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. Notice what Paul is saying here. He's putting a difference now in circumcision. Old covenant circumcision of the flesh and new covenant circumcision of the heart. And Paul is saying here that we, even though he was circumcised of the flesh in a covenant in, uh, with God through Abraham, he says, it now that covenant, he says, is in the heart. It's the inward covenant of circumcision. And he says, I have no confidence in my flesh. You know, the problem is with many people, and I'm going to try and come from a few different aspects and areas and with God's grace and Him helping me, I'm going to show you this morning where many Christians fail to go on with God because they feel they can't. Because they feel they have let the Lord down and is there ever forgiveness for me? Is there any more for me? Because you're human, you see, and you let Him down. And then there are those who try and please God through religious sacrifice, ceremony, and service. There are those who try and get their life in order before coming to know Christ and thinking by church will be okay on that day when we stand before him. And I want to try and show you that the flesh not just counts as the body that we are in, but there can be a fleshy mind, a fleshy body, and fleshy religion. So when we look at this, Paul is saying we are... For we are the circumcision which worship God, notice, in the spirit. 
Now, the, the capital S means God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And he says, we are worshiping in the Spirit. In other words, we have come to know him. He has come and he has made himself known to me, Paul says. And within my heart, God is doing a work. Brother, sister, I have something that we should all keep in mind here. That once we look at one another different in a superiority sense, we're, in the spirit. we're not in the spirit, we're in the flesh. Once you look at someone and say, well, they've lived their life like that, you're in the flesh and not in the spirit. Once you've lived your life and you've come to Christ, your past is forgiven. It's gone. And you don't work to please God for salvation, but rather you work when you're saved. You don't work to be saved, but you work because you are saved. And notice here, Paul is saying, we are now in the Spirit, the law of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law of God, for the Bible tells us the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. But the problem is when God's law is put up against your life and my life, we look and see how it is, shows us in the light of God's light that we are full of darkness, that we are without hope, that we are sinful. And the law of God says, can you keep this? Can you attain to my righteousness? And you know what the Bible says? There is none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understand. There's none that seeks after God, says the Bible. So you and I, before we came to know Christ, in our own fleshy minds, with our own fleshy bodies, we even became religious, some of us. But nevertheless, it was not enough to attain heaven. God had to leave heaven and come down. God had to leave heaven and come down, become a baby in Bethlehem, grow up as a boy and then a man and die on the cross, that you and I, that you and I in our fleshy bodies and all the failures that we have and all the lifestyles we have lived. Some people have grown up in churchy lifestyle and a religious, clean, living lifestyle. Still in our own flesh, the Bible tells us that we, within ourselves, are sinners. Sinning does not make you a sinner. I want to say that again because I want to finish it. Sinning does not make you a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. For example, if I was to take my car and just go up the road here to the hill, to the top, take it out of gear, and let the handbrake off, what would happen? The natural declension would be for it to roll downhill. That's what mankind has been like from the fall of Adam. That's what Adam's race has been like. We have been rolling downhill, degenerate in our own nature. That's why we die. That's why our loved ones pass away. Because of Adam's fall. He just didn't fall. Adam died. And we inherited that from Adam. So this flesh, you know, we're all pretty respectable, I think, this morning. You've all hopefully had a bath or a shower or whatever you had this morning. I had a shower. I don't know what you had. Some of you maybe got licked by the dog. I don't know. on the aftershave. I put one of my new ones on that got given to me for Christmas. Get your shave or whatever. Ladies put the makeup on. The flower bag as our pastor used to call it. We make ourselves look respectable and community. And the most amazing looking 
most uh, Adonis-looking man that ladies you could think of, and please don't think of him, but you, you know what I mean. <laughs> and the most beautiful woman that her eyes could behold. Mine's is my wife. But anyway, I have to say that my mother-in-law's here. <laughs> I do not have to say that. I'm joking. But do you know, really and truly and honestly, even as Richard Baxter says that we're, we're dying people preaching to dying men. That, that beauty is maybe, you know, it's done up a bit to make it look more respectable, but yet it's dying. It still has that carnality in it. It still has that dying nature. It's still flesh. And every bit of it that's your flesh and mine wants to hold you back from God. It's dead to God. Every bit of you, every bit of me, wants to hold you back from God. And it's behind you. It's with you. It's calls to you. It wants to separate you as far as it can from God. And let's be honest, whenever we feed that monster, how many of us are conscious that we're bereft of the presence of the Lord in our lives? Unfortunately, there are many churches who put on programs and entertainment in place of the Holy Spirit for fleshy, carnal pleasures to entertain. And we're like that in our individual lives. And Paul says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit from our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, if you'll turn with me. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. Do you see the Corinthian church? Everyone thinks, oh, they're a church in the Bible, so they must have been perfect. The Pentecostal gifts were flowing. That's why Paul had to write, because they were all going mad. He had to put some order into the church. Do you know to be a Corinthian? There was an old saying for someone, if I lived such an immoral lifestyle around the whole Mediterranean at the time, they used to say, stop playing the Corinthian. Because they were so debauched. (coughs) Paul writes this to the church to say, listen church, we can't be like the world. We're flesh and blood like everybody else. I'm like you and you're like me. He says, but we must worship God in the spirit and allow the spirit to overcome the flesh. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, listen to what Paul says. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Notice how Paul puts that. That's strong, isn't it? Filthiness of the flesh. And spirit. Notice it's a small s, not for the Holy Spirit. Our spirits of our mind. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'm going to say something that's out of step with modern Christianity today. Not with all, but with a lot. I still believe in living holiness of life. I still believe in separation from the world. I still believe in living for God and being different than everyone else that's out there. I believe that with all my heart. Paul says we are to cleanse ourselves. Now, the precious blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all our sin. But the idea here is he's saying, look, live right before God. In fact, in chapter 6, as he runs in with this, he talks about pureness by knowledge, long-suffering by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by unfeigned love. He speaks of this in verse 6. He speaks then in, in chapter 6, 
of being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship of righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion of light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part of he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. See the word temple there, it's the word naos. The naos was the place where God's glory dwells. There's a, there's a term for temple as the word herion. Herion was the stone, the brick, the gold, the wood, the, the structure of the temple. This building would be the herion where we meet, but we are the temple of God. We are the naos. That little cubicle of, uh, in, the, in the tabernacle behind the Holy of Holies where God's presence came down into the Ark of the Covenant, that was called the naos of God where the Spirit of God and the fire of God came down. It went on into the temple. It was the same in the temple. The temple was the Hurion, but where God's glory dwelt, where God's glory came down, that was the Naos temple, where the direct presence of God would meet with man. And Christ is the Naos of God, where we meet God in Christ. But now Paul says, you and I are the temple. You and I are. We are, and the word temple is Naos. We are where God lives as believers. God lives inside you, brother, sister. And everywhere you go, you take God. And in everything we do, God is with us. Whether that be for the good or the bad. So how do we live our lives before him? In what way do we direct our lives before him? Notice what he says here. Verse 16 of chapter 6. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore? Come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will and be a follower unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Notice what he says here. You and I carry the presence of God. Now when we run into chapter 17, remember there's no chapters and verses in the original, so it runs straight through. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved. What promises? That God will dwell in you. That God lives in you. That you're a child, a son, a daughter of the living God, and so you should order your life and walk to be so. Those who are in Christ. We have these promises. Then he says, since we have them, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. Can you see why Paul writes that now? Paul is saying, come on, Corinthian. Come on, your flesh is lording over you rather than the spirit. Come on, Corinthian, he says. Come on, C-E-T. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. You are allowing the flesh. You're allowing the, the flesh to dominate the life rather than the Holy Ghost who dwells in you. The flesh calls us to all sorts of things. The flesh dominates us in all sorts of ways. The flesh wants to hold you back, pull you down, And Paul says, listen, all of these things of the flesh, all of them, he says, it's time to forget it. There's greater promises ahead for you. Lay hold of what God has in store for you. I know this is New Year's Eve morning, and I know that you know, people thinking of tonight or going, what they're doing or where they're, they're thinking of tomorrow or whatever you're thinking of. Listen, this, 
does not need to be preached on a new year, but every day. Every day. But since even as a child of God, as a, as a, as a, a local assembly of the body of Christ here in Guilford, what about going home today and getting on your knees before him and worshiping him in the spirit and saying, Lord, from today the flesh must die. The old man and the old woman must be put away that your spirit will have the preeminence to show me Christ in my life. Let this be a new time when the spirit brings life and health and healing to the body. So, Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves or put those things away. Galatians chapter 4, if you will, please. Galatians chapter 4. Paul is preaching and he says, in verse 13, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first and my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Do you know what Paul's telling us here? Paul is writing to the Galatian church. He said, do you see the trouble I've had? You see me as Paul the Apostle. Do you see the trouble I've had? You see me as the, the, the man who is preaching the gospel. See if you knew me. There's no, no superiority here in Christ, he says. If you knew me, I have the struggles you have, and I have the worries you have, and I have the problems you have, and I probably have them greater because the devil hates me so much, brings so many people my direction. Do you know what Paul would be as well as saying here? Let me put it like this in, 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 a, in our church context here, maybe in your life. That people who put on the face and press on in God, it doesn't mean they don't have problems. But they're trusting God and they're saying, the bigger picture is I'm forgetting the things which are before and reaching forth and pressing toward the mark. That's where I'm going, Lord. That's not where I'm staying. This is where I'm going. And you see, in even ministry, when you come into ministry where it's in the church singing or playing, listen, and people are people. You know, well, there's no oxen, the crib is clean, but there's plenty of oxen. You know what's in the crib then, don't you? It needs mucked out. There's plenty of muck. And it's like that, it's like that in church settings. So people could come up to you and say, you know, I don't like the way you're, you're singing. Hand them the mic and say, you didn't. I don't like the way you leave that meeting. I will say, come up here and I'll take a sabbatical for three months and see how you get on when I get back. Don't like how you're playing or don't like how you shake the hand or don't like us to say, well, there's plenty of room for more service here. Come show us how. Paul is saying, I got it all. It all came to me. I've been hammered with this, he says. But my bigger goal is Christ. You see, you can look around and find fault. And you can run away and hide. Or you can come in and sit in a stupor. But do you see at the end of the day, if you're not doing it, then give the person a break. Hello? Amen? Paul is saying, you know the things that come on me? I've been hammered left, right and centre, but the curve of the churches, he says, Paul is basically, he's going to win the head with it all. So notice this. Paul says he's had a hard time, but he says, I'm going to keep on preaching. You may be going through a hard time, whether it's here or at home or wherever you are, keep on going. Keep serving. Don't let anything hinder you. You know why? Because every time you set the plow down, you know what happens? The other plowers overtake you. 
the other players will overtake you. And when you're left behind then, the, the player behind tries to catch up and trying to catch up, you know what happens? They feel out of it. They feel a part of it, apart from it. They don't feel like they're part of it. Keep playing. Keep going. Don't let anyone hinder you from the work of the Lord. Who do you think you are going to be praying for people? Who do you think you are going to be visiting someone to see how they're doing? How do you, who do you think you are going up there to sing or to play or to do this or that? Who do you think you are? I can let you know I think I'm nothing, but God has told me to do it, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. God says it. It's not about you. It's about him, and we just keep on doing as he wants us to do. And even get into this new year. Maybe you could say, why? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, while we're in the book, in verse 16, listen to what Paul says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, I'm not trying to stand on corns, Okay. I'm not trying to tromp on your spiritual toes. I'm not trying to hurt, I'm trying to help. But once, I'm talking about me, talking about all of us, but once as believers, as Christians, we start to pick on something or someone else, you know what happens? You're not walking in the Spirit. Once you start to pick holes, you're not in the Spirit. You're walking in your flesh. You're a fleshy, carnal man. You're a fleshy, carnal woman. You're allowing the, the old deathly nature to say, ah, look at him, and ah, look at her, and look at this, and look at that. Ah, they're no good at that, and I would have done it different. Then do it! Then do it. Then do it. Because that's the flesh. Walking in the spirit, the idea to walk, it gives the idea in the sphere. In the sphere of the spiritual realm where if there's something wrong, we say, you know, maybe I could come alongside and encourage you. Maybe I could come alongside and help that person. Maybe I could be, uh, they're like the Moses in that ministry or in doing that thing. And maybe I could be like the Aaron or the Hur who came and held up Moses' hands instead of pulling them down when the Amalekites were fighting Israel. Hold them up encourage them and say, I will hold up your hand. I I can't do much, but I think I can help. You see, the the flesh says, ah, no good. Ah, this and ah, that. Listen, that's your flesh. The Spirit says, I want to help. I want to forward God's kingdom. Notice what he says here. Galatians 5 Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, every time I hear someone really bad-mouthing another believer, I mean, just, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about saying something, uh, criticizing to try and help them. I'm talking about real, see, every time I hear of it, you know all I can think of? There's the devil doing his work. There's the enemy. And they're not in the spirit. I wonder what they're feeding on. You see, you can feed on the word of God. And you can feed in worshiping God. And you can feed in prayer. And you can feed in good fellowship. And that's feeding the spirit. You can feed on serving him whatever capacity you can. Even if you think it's the minutest detail, the little cogs help the bigger ones to turn and to work. It doesn't matter how little you think the job is. What about cleaning the church? Oh, nobody asked me to clean the church. Why? Not right now, Laverne. Yes. I'm not asking you to do things. What I'm, saying, what I'm saying is I'm trying to give you examples. Flesh and the spirit. Flesh and the spirit. Once I hear people eating one another like wolves. 
think, well, they're just not in the spirit. They don't know the Holy Ghost. Notice what Paul says here. For the flesh lusteth or wars against the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, every time that I hear of Christians and they're going out, I'm going to go out to a nightclub tonight. You're not in the Holy Ghost. I don't care what anybody says. See, if you can stand and dance around a handbag or whatever you do at those nightclubs and sit and take your alcohol and your drink and come into church on Sunday morning, you're not of the Holy Ghost. Paul says, the Spirit says no. Spirit says no. The flesh says yes. The flesh cries for it and craves for it. But the man and woman of the Spirit says no. Notice what he says here. Verse 18, if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now Paul looks and he says, look, see the law of God? It's perfect. But it shows you and I how much we need Christ. Do you know what the law of God shows me? you know what the moral ten commandments show me even? Do you know what it shows me? Thou shalt not kill. Well, I haven't killed, but yet have thought murder stalls in my heart or hatred in my heart to, to someone. Well, I haven't committed adultery, but there's someone maybe and you've lusted after them or you haven't done this. Do you know what it shows me? How vile a creature I really am. My flesh shows me how degenerate, how debauched, how filthy I really am in me. And it just shines a spotlight on our nature, on our flesh, and it shows us, look how degenerate you are. The depravity, the total depravity of human nature. Your inability to save yourself now, it doesn't matter how much you try, it's off the flesh. It doesn't matter the works, it's off the flesh. It doesn't matter the ritual, it's off the flesh. Listen, it doesn't matter the denomination. Don't come to me and say, well, I went to such and such a church, or I went to CET, or I went to this place or that place, or I went to a pilgrimage or whatever. Don't come with all of those things to God, for he says it's off your flesh. It's fleshy. And the law points and shows us it. And so God writes it in our hearts when we're saved. He doesn't do away with it. He writes it in our hearts. Look, we don't, but I'm, sometimes I'm sure maybe some do. The put, some people I've seen have sort of chores or house rules up in the fridge or somewhere like that. So the kids will come in and say, I have to do the dishes or I have to do whatever. There's the rules. And when they walk away, they might just forget. Do you know why? Because the rules are on the fridge. That's the tablets of the law. And so mommy brings up and says, you didn't do the dishes, you didn't do this, and you didn't do the hoover, and you didn't do the ironing or whatever. It depends on how many kids you have. <laughs> or how many chores they get. You know why? Because it's still on the fridge. You see, they can go away and everything else takes them away from what the rules were. But God says, those rules that were on the tablets, he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and they will be written in your heart. So that everywhere you go, he says, I'll walk with you, as we have read. And everywhere you go, he says, I'll teach you how to be separate. I will teach you how to be separate from the world. You're all in the world, but you're not off the world. Paul is struggling to come to terms with what God has apprehended him for in Philippians chapter 3. All of this, by the way, is just a start of a, an introduction to the chapter. Let's then the introduction for another few moments. Verse 19, Galatians 5, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. The works of the flesh are manifest, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, 
wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't get any plainer than that, brother. And he's writing here to professing Christian church, <laughs> to the Galatian church. He's writing, he's saying, church, what way do you think you can live? Galatian church, what way do you think you can live? You see, they were starting to turn around also to, back to Judaism, a lot of them, because they were drawn out from that. He says, you did run well. Who did hinder you? Now you're going back to ritual, fleshiness. You're going back to the temple, fleshiness. You're going back to the law for salvation, fleshiness, he says. You're going back to what we would say denomination, fleshiness. Listen, I don't care if you come to me and you say, you know what? I think I'd be in the kingdom of God because I'm the biggest loyalist that Ulster has ever seen. You know, I wear my, I wear my Union Jack vest with pride. You know, all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if you're not in Christ, you're lost. Please don't think that growing up in a nominal so-called Presbyterian or whatever Baptist. I said Presbyterian because I grew up in a so-called Presbyterian house and I was as lost as a goose in a storm. And I needed, I needed to make my calling and election sure where God had called me through his spirit to the cross of his son and say, Lord, I'm putting all those things, look, forgetting those things which are behind me. I'm reaching forth. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We have to learn as brethren and sisters that another thing is that you fall so many times and people backslide so many ways because people love to dig your past up. Listen, your past is your past. We've all got one. Some paths are more manifested to the sight than the others, but all are manifest before God's eyes. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned. That's Mr. Self-Righteous, Mrs. Self-Righteous too. All of us. This man, all of you, for all have sinned and come short, missed the mark of the glory of God. Paul tells us that if we are in the flesh, whether that's the religious flesh or the racial flesh or the bodily mental flesh, if we are without Christ, we are lost. We are lost. If you will, turn with me to the next chapter, chapter 6. So we've only the one meeting today, so we're going to do a wee bit longer, can't we, today? We're not, not in a... Chapter 6, let your eye run down. Verse 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for, we, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Paul is saying, don't be deceived. Whatever you sow is what you reap. You know, if you... I used to think when I was a wee lad, because living, up in, living in Belfast, you know, oranges, grey and tins. And pizzas were sliced already in their tins. But they grew somewhere, didn't they? Someone planted that. And Paul tells us that we will reap that. Listen here, I, I don't want to go down this line. I'll do something about this another time, but 
you see the many people I've had come to in healing lines and prayer, that ask for prayer, and they're coughing, wheezing, and spluttering and getting on, and they can hardly breathe, and I says, what's wrong with of lung, of lung cancer or something, you're praying for them. And they go outside and light up a cigarette. What about what you eat? Let you still eat the porky pig. It's one of the most vilest meats on the planet. The Lord calls it an abomination. It has the trickening worm in it that doesn't die. Be known to crawl into the brain. That's why the Lord says to Israel, don't eat it. I have to admit, I see things about, you no know, people saying things about even the Muslims not, not eating pork and they, you know, throw bacon at them and all this sort of stuff. I have to admit, I agree with the Muslim on this. <laughs> There's not very, very, very few things I would ever agree on them, but I agree on it. I'm with the Jew. It's the same. I think of the, the sugar and our, our, our food, and we're sowing to the flesh, you know, and we crave it. No sin is you are what you eat, but it's the same in the spirit. You are what you eat. And if you sit all day watching soaps or you sit all day reading old magazines and reading silly stuff, you're feeding your spirit on it. Feed your spirit. Lift the word and read it. Feed your spirit. Go with me to, to Colossians, please. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Would you believe it that I've only, I've only preached on just over half a page? And of five full pages. Don't worry, you're not getting it all this morning. I just keep taking the line and the thought and off I go with it. Colossians chapter 2. Let your eye run down, please. Speaks of the Godhead and Godhood of Christ. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice it says in verse 11, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This is not of the flesh, in other words. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Here he said, This circumcision is from within. Start speaking then of the flesh again. Let your eye run down to verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? As though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances. Ah, here is more flesh. What is he talking about? He's talking about fleshy religious practice. There's no spirit in it, he says. Fleshy religious practice. You see, brothers and sisters, let me at this point interject because we have to be careful. Now, I like to wear things like this on the Lord's Day. But that's my choice. The Bible doesn't say it anywhere that you have to wear that. It doesn't say it anywhere. That's my choice. So I'm not going to put my choice on you. We need to watch that we are not going back to the rudiments of man's thinking just because it looks good to man or looks right to woman. And Paul is saying this. He says, look, verse 20, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? He's talking about religious mindsets. Touch not, taste not, Handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Paul says, he's speaking about Judaism here, and he's saying to the Judaizers, and those are the Colossians who had come out of it, he says, listen, 
all these 613 commandments that have been added aren't God's commandments, they're traditions of men. It's what man wants you to do and what man thinks is right. He says, that is not of God. We get it in the church. Well, it has to be like this or else it's not right. Is that right? Well, show me it in the Word and I'll talk about it. Paul speaks of not getting, giving flesh any honor. He speaks of it in verse 23. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. He's talking about, he's talking about the, what man has put in to make things look good. That's the idea of this. True circumcision is an outward badge. There's many people have an outward badge. The true circumcision of, I look the part. The true circumcision of, I do the ritual. The true circumcision of being legalistic. Now listen, the law is not legalistic. That's not what this means. Legalism comes in different ways. Legalism in the church is this, or even here where the gospel of grace is usurped by the law of God. That can be legalism. Legalism is when you have man's tradition overruling the gospel of grace. That is legalism. It's not what God says, it's what man thinks. I don't, want to, I don't care what man thinks, I want to know what God says. I want to know what he says. Notice this. Legalism, this is what I've written. Legalism doesn't restrain the flesh. If we do this this way, then we are showing how pious we are in restraining the flesh. See how godly I am because I live my life in such a separated way from all you other Christians. That's not what God means. That is legalism. Can you imagine me coming to you and saying, no, well, you know what? I have worn a tie, picked out a nice shirt. Well, I think it's nice. Shirt and tie and wore some of my nice shoes. But Dave, you're not as holy as me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, you've got jeans on and you have a shirt. Sorry, Dave. That's legalism. That's not of God. That's not of God. That's legalism. It's the same with the whole hot word business. It's about headship and head covering, not about hats. It's not about fashion period either. Paul is saying, Rather, whether it's a hurt or an anguish or a disappointment or a disillusionment, he says in Philippians, forgetting those things. They're all going to hold you back. See all those legalism things that really people want you to live the way they live? Cut them free. And go on in Christ. C-E-T. Let's parochialize this for a moment. Someone says, you CET believers, you just don't do this and you just don't do that and you should do this and you should do that. Listen, just, I'm cutting the cords and saying we're moving on in God because God's blessing and we're not allowing anyone to hinder us. Not allowing anyone to harm us. So I'll finish because of just of so much. Legalism doesn't restrain the flesh. It feeds it. It feeds it. A man gets puffed up when he thinks he puts a suit on and he's something. And I'm a man in a suit. Legalism 
does not restrain the flesh. It feeds it, and it will always demand more from you. Legalistic rules may look wise and seem to have spiritual superiority when in fact it's the wisdom of men, it's not of God. It's spiritual pride and not the Holy Spirit. Satisfying the flesh here in this verse is self-imposed religion Paul speaks of. Self-imposed religion is man trying to reach God. when really it was God who came down to reach man. Man tries to reach God. Well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not this. One. That's fleshy. God does not recognize what one iota, but rather he came down in the person of his lovely son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he died for you on the cross, and he paid every single debt you owed, paid in full. He came to us. I think I'll do another one next week. I didn't even get into our verses yet. We'll see next week. See the verses? Here's the thing. Paul speaks about reaching, and he speaks as an athlete. I think Paul had a thing that he wanted to be an athlete because he always speaks of athletes. He speaks of, you know, soldiers and fighters and he speaks here of an athlete like one running a race in Philippians chapter 3. And yet Paul, it says his speech was contemptible and he wasn't much to look at. He was a wee small bald man. And he says, sure, who would want me? Here's the thing. <laughs> Christ found him. Used him mightily. None could stop him. So we'll look at it next week, God willing.